1: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito <laughs>
2: Hey, this is Power Card, aka Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet.
1: It's pretty incredible. In
0: fact, it's LaMarvelous. marvelous. Thank you, guys.
2: all right
3: welcome on back to another edition of the baltimore beatdown podcast hello friends it is saturday november 14th 2020 my name is jake luke i'm joined by Spencer Schultz here on a Friday night doing our recording a little bit later than we typically do uh, because of some exciting news. Had a fun little interview uh, that we put together for this afternoon with Mr. Bradley Bozeman, offensive lineman for the Baltimore Ravens. Kyle and I went ahead and uh, had a little 20-minute chat with him that is going to be tacked on to the end of the show. But uh, in the meantime, we have a preview episode to get out to you guys Uh, later now. We're going to do it, and uh, it is for Sunday Night Football, Ravens at Patriots. I'm excited. You excited. I'm super
1: excited. It's a fun game. Cam Newton Lamar Jackson, two of the most polarizing quarterbacks for their legs. Uh, over the past, you know, really, of our, I would guess, our lifetimes, people have people have very strong feelings about those two gentlemen, and they've never played before. So I'm really excited. I think they're really excited as well, as Lamar Jackson definitely looked up to Cam Newton, and so many mobile quarterbacks did. Uh, do. And it's going to be exciting. The Patriots are an interesting team, a team that lost a lot of guys due to COVID from uh, opt-outs and kind of put them behind the eight ball, but they've been scrappy. I mean, they barely lost to the Seahawks. They had a couple, couple other interesting games. They played relatively well against the chiefs and at the at same time played very poorly against the jets played down to the jets and had a big, big deficit, which they overcame and had a, a weird season so far. Bill Belichick kind of, Feeling weird too. He made some weird comments over the past. He's getting a weeks. little, getting a little surly, isn't he? Definitely getting a little uh, testy and he's resort. You know, he's testy cause he's resorting to the like, well, why don't you look at what we have done over the last 20 years yeah, or so? Just, and then, yeah. uh, why don't you ask me that Taking the
3: record so. for our, our draft picks aren't, aren't, very good, but I mean, it's really, it doesn't matter. I, I'd take the six Super Bowl rings. Yeah. It, he's getting, he's getting real surly. It's pretty funny to watch.
1: It has been. He, uh, isn't the same blank on to Cincinnati, on to Cincinnati, on to Cincinnati, as he usually is. He's getting a little more into his feelings. And one of the crazier things I've, I might've referenced it on this show before, but one of the crazier things that I've realized in the past year or two is that he does a film breakdown every week for like newenglandpatriots.com. And it's really detailed, really, really, really detailed. Going into schemes, and he's, he's a true football historian. That's why he was asked by, I believe, NFL Network to do the NFL 100 uh, history kind of segment. And I think that was like a six-part series or something over the offseason. And a uh, true football historian. So anything Bill Belichick, obviously his dad as well, Steve Belichick. Was uh, a master of football innovation in many ways uh, down at Navy in Annapolis. So, Maryland, obviously, Belichick, a local guy, and wrote really like a, a borderline Bible of scouting. Steve Belichick, uh, or Steve is, I'm sorry, Steve's father. I think I'm, it is. And he named his son, and after him. his son. Yeah. Yeah. I believe his dad is Steve, but he wrote like a Bible of scouting. I read that a few years ago. I think it's like six bucks, probably. Maybe it's more or less now, but. Anyone who is interested in scouting and trying to really understand like the fundamentals of football and the fundamentals of what different positions should show to be uh, a prospect or to be, you know, a, a big time player or what they shouldn't look like, that is a good place to start. So I would highly recommend that. I'll, I'll look up the name of it. I can't recall off the top of my head.
3: Yeah, grew up in Annapolis. I think he might have some, I don't know if he went to Key, but he might have some. Ties to Key in in some ways, but yeah, his dad is from around there. Some Navy ties, uh, big lax guy, which is always great. Uh, interesting to see. My friend actually works for the Cal Ripken Foundation, so she's gotten the chance to meet Bill a little bit. And, uh, yeah, you know, kind of a funny sort of, you know, rise sort of sly dude behind the scenes. He's not like going to talk your ear off, but like you mentioned, people say that he's boring and all this stuff, but if you get him talking about football, like real football stuff, he will uh, talk your ear off for. A long time. I mean, you look at some of these transcripts of press conferences he's done over the year talking about, like, directional punting. It'll be, like, four pictures or panels in the in uh, the tweet and, like, take up the entire thing. So it's pretty
1: interesting to see. But if you ask him about, like, a comment that a player made after a loss, like, that's the shit he don't like. Like, he doesn't care about not football. He cares strictly about things that occur on the white lines in detail.
3: Absolutely. Uh, but I mean, before we get into all that, how you, how you been doing, bud? It's been a couple of days since we last checked in here.
1: Uh, I'm exhausted. Been up since 545 doing some work for good old Sports Info Solutions. Had a very long day doing that and uh, shut my brain down for a little bit, ate some dinner and uh, started talking conspiracy theories with my mom. And uh, that got me going again. That was like a little little evening coffee. so. I'm back and I'm better than ever plus Matt. I mean, we've been enjoying the masters. I'm not a huge golf guy, but I do watch the masters every year. It is like that. And like the U S open or things like that for tennis. Like I, I love to watch the event, but I don't stay in tune.
3: It's the, yeah, it's the peak of the sport. It's my favorite sporting event of the year, I think by far. And even before I became like a massive golf fan, I only started playing really seriously a couple of years ago, but I've always watched it. And in particular, the masters it's uh. It's special, man. It's my favorite, favorite sporting event of the year, like I said, and uh, really interesting this year. No fans or patrons, as they uh, force the broadcasters to say in attendance. Members are not wearing their green jackets because they don't want to stand out, which I thought was kind of a weird move. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, the course has been kind of a little benign because of some rain that they had come in on Thursday. So it's been an interesting, weird watch. But you and I have been going back and forth. We have some bets on some of these players watching Bryson Uh <laughs> Just kind of fall apart after all the hype going into the week. And then some of our guys, I know we're both looking at uh, a couple of these different players that we are hoping to win. And uh, yeah, I think we actually did get a question on that. So we'll maybe be touching on it. But uh, yeah, it's been a bit of fun start to it so far. Can't wait for the weekend. And then it goes right into Sunday Night Football like we're talking about. So it's going to be a great sports weekend.
1: It is going to be a great sports weekend. We also have a Sunday Pac-12 game at noon. Uh, What is going on with college football right now? College football is not doing so high. I think there was 14 games postponed or canceled. Maryland-Ohio State canceled, which really sucks for Maryland because they played really well against Ohio State, I believe, two years ago. Took them to the wire. Yep. 55-53, uh,
3: something along those lines. Weird, like, overtime game. Haskins was mm-hmm. starting, I think. Yeah, that was
1: that was an interesting one. Anthony McFarlane just ran all over them, but uh, Maryland takes down Penn State, and the juices are flowing. Talia has been balling. And <laughs> you crossed that. It's... It's been fun. It's been fun. But that sucks for Maryland football. Uh, I'm a, I'm a fair weather Maryland football fan, meaning that I kind of in the same, I'm kind of the same way about the Orioles. Like I have endless amounts of, like I have endless amounts of Orioles signed memorabilia and much of my childhood was spent as a huge Orioles fan, Maryland Terrapins fan, basketball always. But like the Orioles, when they traded Manny Machado, I got really turned off and uh, became extremely casual as an Orioles fan and have been pretty casual over the last couple of years. Really up until this year, I started to kick it back in. Same thing with Maryland football. When it was the Ralph Friedgen days, holy shit, I didn't miss a game. Like I watched everything, everything, am, everything,
3: everything. I am so all in on everything baseball, except for like baseball when the product is not good. So I can't sit there and like grind my way through some of these like 60 win Orioles seasons, which like, plenty of people on Orioles Twitter that are hardcore diehard have to watch every pitch which you know I that's great good friend of the show Matt is uh like that he's um he has his own podcast actually Nate hit at the foul pole which you're if you're into the Orioles or trying to get into them you should check that out um but yeah I, ca- I can't live and die with every pitch but I love the business behind it specifically and uh yeah I mean Maryland is the exact same way it's basketball every single year and then I don't care what anyone says. Even people that go to Maryland are fair weather with football. And we haven't had much to even really fair weather for pretty much our entire lives with them. So it's interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I spent many a student nights at Camden Yards watching them get drummed. I believe actually, I can't recall. I used to get taken to games by my my parents when I was really little. But from the time I was like seven and and kind of knew what was going on around me, I think the Orioles were 0-23 in 23 consecutive games that I attended yeah. until I was like 12 or 13 or something like that. So I had a, a very rough Orioles experience, but Miguel Tejada, freaking Melvin Mora, those guys couldn't get enough of them. Eric Bedard.
3: it up Rafael Palmero. I mean, it's just some some great characters.
1: Yes. So I was very big into that stuff and eventually tailed off. I, mean, I got really turned off by Manny Machado getting traded. I still am just a little bit, but I'm – I contemplated being hexing the Orioles out of my life after that.
3: That one, like I kind of understood. Um, it's just like, you got to move on and like, you're going to get a, a boon for him hypothetically, but it kind of felt like they didn't get that many great pieces at the time. It's starting to look a little bit better. I think Kramer is looking great. Uh, use Neil Diaz is supposedly looking pretty good. I'm not really following the minor leagues maybe as much as I should be, but yeah, I, I maybe would have wanted a bigger haul for him, unfortunately, but they kind of did have to move forward. And now you got obviously Adley Rutschman, um, down there in the in the minors, who's probably going to be that next Manny-esque figure, maybe even better, some people are saying. So very excited for yeah, that, well, at least. Well,
1: then guess what will happen if he's better than Manny? He'll play a couple of years in Baltimore in well, uh, the f and
3: Well, the
1: MLB that's just... That's why I have trouble being an Orioles
3: fan. The MLB that's, just approved uh, the Angelos' is to be able to sell the team, I think. Yeah, that would be ideal. I
1: used to hate on Peter Angelos a lot, and then I waited on him at Azumi in the Inner Harbor, and he was more than gracious, very polite.
3: They're very they're good people and they're weirdly like socially conscious too for like sports right. owners. You don't see that a ton, especially I think John, I've heard some interviews with him talking about some of the racial stuff that's going on in Baltimore city and how, you know, we need to do that. And they put their money where their mouth is as far as that they do not always put their money with where their mouth is as far as their players go. But I think to be fair to that, like they, you know, they made some, some gambles with Davis and Trumbo and it just it didn't work out and they don't have as much to work with obviously as the bigger market teams, but you know, that's, it is what it is. It is what it is at the same time. They also,
1: I mean, the national is coming to town well to DC. Yeah. Took a, lot of, took a lot of revenue away from them. And then there was an ordeal that doesn't get talked about where the Orioles basically tried to cheap the, and cheat the Nationals out of a significant cut of TV revenue over... There was like an incremental increase yearly where they would essentially cut the Nationals in more and more. And the Orioles tried to keep a lot of it. And that went to court. And the Orioles had to pay a lot of money. So that doesn't get talked about a ton. But that happened last year. And I was kind of fucked up. And... Took a lot of money out of the Orioles' pocket, so I don't, I don't know. But I'm, uh, I'm still on board. Still on board. Maryland football. Let's talk some Ravens football. Let's, 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 let's flip it.
3: Yeah, you got me mid beer sip there. Sorry. Um, yeah, let's absolutely talk some Ravens football. We got, like I mentioned. Oh, Sunday night. The, uh, the boys are going up to Foxborough, Massachusetts. The great white Northeast. Looks like it's going to be a sloppy kind of, you know, wet game. Mudder was a mudder type deal. Ravens at Patriots. Pat's at 3-5. and five. Ravens at 6-2. and two, Kind of heading in different directions here. Ravens off of, you know, a up and down. But I, I would say convincing victory over the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, the Patriots coming off of a not-so-convincing victory over our guy, Joe Flacco, and the New York Jets. Uh, in New Jersey. So, you know, kind of two very different seasons. I think the Pats got off to a hot start. Cam Newton comes down with COVID. They have a couple of weird, weird things happen. But, uh, yeah, they kind of are what their record says they are right now. Three and five, really battling to get back into a uh, playoff contention spot here as the Ravens are hoping to push their way to that seventh win. So uh, it's an interesting matchup. The Pats, on tape, I didn't think looked great against the Jets. They don't look good by the numbers, as I was seeing – while running up the dossier uh, a couple hours ago. So uh, I don't know, man. The Ravens are favored at minus seven and a half. I think that's probably a pretty good number right now.
1: Yeah, I've got them minus seven right around there. And the over-under sitting at 43 and a half. Ravens heavy favorites. It's, uh like I said in the beginning of the episode, it's tough. The Patriots lost Dante Hightower. Um, an offensive lineman's name is escaping me, as well as... Patrick Chung opted out ahead. So they started behind the eight ball, three team leaders immediately out. And, you know, they looked formidable in the beginning of the season. Cam Newton injected a ton of excitement and they have that big showdown against the Seahawks that was close, went down to the wire and a couple other games that have gone down to the wire, the Broncos, some other ones. And it's been, it's been a tough stretch for them, but they are doing what I think Bill, like makes Bill Belichick happy, having a mobile quarterback and a, very strong run game. Their run game, like their run blocking, exceptional. They have a really good offensive line, especially in the run blocking aspects. They do a lot of creative things with like long traps where they trap down two two gaps, which is very unique and very old school at the same time, and able to do all these fun things that do feel very Navy football, very old school football. And Bill bilichick has has always kind of had fun whenever he's had a little bit of mobile quarterback ability and doing some different things and having quarterbacks play different positions. You know, Julian Edelman, all those former kind of quarterback slash guys that he's had Gunnar Olszewski right now on the uh, wide receiver department, a guy who here, now here's a guy.
3: Oh, now I, oh, This oh. guy Gunnar Olszewski. I think you may have boxed the pronunciation there, but let me tell you what, he's going in here and playing a role that we're all too familiar with with White slot receiver here for the Patriots. You look back at Braxton Berrios and uh, Julian Edelman and some of these guys, it's quite the legacy that he's going to have to live up to, but uh, he's off to a hot start. I could say that much.
1: Yeah, he was like the 2018 uh, Northern Sun Intercollegiate Defensive Player of the Year. Because, of course, (laughs) cornerback.
3: What'd you say? Because, of course.
1: Yeah, because, of course, he was a a D2 conference defensive player of the year as a corner, has a very sick tattoo on his, like, left arm that is just very, I played D2 football, and he's one of their, like, rotational receivers, and it's not surprising to anyone. Going back all the way to the, what, the Troy Brown days. Troy Brown or Tim Brown? Crossing myself. Troy Brown. Troy Brown days playing uh, DB and wide receiver. And Edelman. And Edelman. Edelman's gotten in there on the other side of the football over the years, not in a long time, but when he was a a Bieber cut youth in the NFL, trying to make a name for himself, he was willing to do anything.
3: It's so funny going back and watching those like playoff uh, matchups between the Ravens and them because I think in like 2011, like every now and then, (laughs) it's just like on NFL Network or whatever in the background, and it's like the Ravens are on offense for a while, and then you just hear and there's the tackle by Edelman. It's like, oh yeah, that was a thing for like however long
1: exactly but this team is interesting they i mean funny enough like patriots fans if you go into the the anals of tw- of twitter the patriots anals. twitter they are like clamoring for Jermaine Illuminor to get healthy cuz they want him back cuz he's been mowing people down in the run game which is just like so frustrating as a ravens fan as the ravens are struggling to bull- to uh knock people off the ball in their typical run concepts a lot of times so Patriots are scheming it up in the run game department. They don't have a great running back. Uh, I think Damian Harris has done a really great job. I believe he is questionable for this game. Sort of like 37 other Patriots, classic. But he's been doing a great job following his assignment and getting through the gap. They are lethal with Cam Newton down around the goal line. They do some interesting things, but in the end, you know, this team has – Jacoby Myers, uh, lacklusterish. Julian Edelman, no tight ends, and not a lot of weapons on offense, even if the Ravens end up not being able to trot Jimmy Smith out, which sounds like it is uh, literally doubtful on the injury report, and he didn't practice on Friday as we're recording this podcast. So. Shout out to MD Law So Hard,
3: by the way, having a meltdown about that.
1: Yeah, MD Law So was not happy. Not happy. Doubtful does not mean out. Down, but not out
3: my ex-girl yeah. <laughs> no i was gonna make a relationship doubtful uh joke there but we don't have to go that route. <laughs> especially not with um, him he'll fucking murder me that's true but
1: we uh we we're chopping it up earlier but anyway so they don't i mean they just don't have a lot of juice on the perimeter they can't really threaten vertically jacoby myers is a really nice possession receiver a guy who came out of nc state and when you watch you're watching kelvin harman who it's getting a ton of pre-draft buzz. A lot of guys had him in their, you know, top five, top seven receivers in that twenty eighteen class, twenty nineteen class. Kobe Myers creates separation across the middle in breaking routes. Tough over the middle. Get some yak. 80, move, I think eighty
3: four point one overall PFF grade, which is very good.
1: Yeah, he's he's a gamer. He's a nuanced, savvy route runner with good hands. Understands leverage. Has good release packages. Just. Creates some creates room for himself and catches a damn ball. He can sit down against zone really well. And as a smart receiver, he did have a near fuck-up against the Jets where he he actually might have fucked it up. He caught he was like third and 16 and he caught the ball like 15 and a half yards and immediately ran backwards two yards and then had to try and lunge again and get the first down. So uh just a little, little tiny, little tiny things, but he gets open for himself. And as we're getting a ton of targets, he actually has. I think in the last three games he's played the entire game has the number two target share in the NFL behind Stefan Diggs, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's like between Stefan Diggs and Nuke down in Arizona. So that's their guy. That's who they like to target on offense. And it's I, I like Jacoby Myers. He's fun to watch. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm really excited for this matchup overall. Uh, strength on strength a little bit. Patriots like to run the ball, do some creative things. They don't have a ton of juice on the outside, but – Ravens have done a good job shutting the rundown. Clayus Campbell will obviously be missed in that department. But uh, overall, you know, the the Pats don't have enough juice, it feels like, to really hurt the Ravens. It feels like the Ravens would have to lose the game for themselves on the offensive side of the football, a la, you know, what happened against the Steelers in order for the Patriots to have a chance in this game. Um, but, you know, may, I mean, maybe this ends up being a one-score game, something right along those lines, a spread seven, so... Maybe it ends up being being that way a little bit. We did see the Ravens uh, have a little bit of a meltdown against the Eagles in ways. But, you know, it just feels like the Patriots very outmanned on that side of the football, especially.
3: Yeah, seven feels a little high just looking at kind of I sometimes talk about the laundry and the helmet or whatever you want to call it. Just sort of the mystique surrounding a franchise. It does feel high going into a game against the Patriots in New England. But I mean, like you mentioned, looking at the numbers, looking at the tape, I mean, it does look like the Ravens are the better team right now, regardless of what you want to say about the Ravens' offense. And speaking of the Patriots' offense, you're talking about, I think, 24th in total DVOA. And then they're like 28th in passing and then third in rushing. So it's like a weird, weird offense that they've got going on.
1: They, I mean, they really move people off the ball. Michael Owenyu, I, I guess we say right tackle right now. He's been playing right tackle. He's also played left guard and right guard. Yep. He is a Michigan boy. He's a rookie, and he was known as, you know, a, a mauler, a downhill guy. But he has been overall incredible, able to reach, combo, seal inside. I mean, just moving everybody off the ball. I think he's let up like maybe I think he's let up one sack so far or something like that. And he's been outstanding. They have David Andrews, an experienced center. Uh, they they really do trot out a good offensive line. And they're like playing a the uh, game. Moves. They're playing Illuminor a lot too. I think he missed last game or two. Did he? If I'm not mistaken. But he, he's he been, he's a top, like a top-rated guard.
3: Yep. Yeah, I mean, him, Isaiah Wynn, they've got some some guys that are really kind of coming along. I think four starters over 80 PFF grade, and then two in 90. You mentioned Yo, he's one of them. Um, and I forget who the other one was. It might have even been a Luminor, which would be kind of sick uh, if you're a Ravens fan. But yeah, I don't know. It's just like it's, it's a weird offense. It's a weird watch. Because like, you know, they win that game at New York and it's like, you take a look at their offense and you don't even see what it is that they're doing pretty well. And that's kind of the case if you're just sort of somebody who doesn't really pretend to know what they're talking about when it comes to offensive line play in the run game, which that's me. I really don't. And so like, I kind of was maybe missing the significance of what they were doing against the Jets, but I do know, or at least could deduce that they were moving the ball very well. And that included with Cam Newton on the touchdown that he scored Couple other plays, and uh, Burkhead, I think, also got some match in there. So they definitely have to pound the rock, but they're one dimensional in that respect, and uh, even more so than the Ravens, which a lot of people are coming after the Ravens offense for. They're they're an even more amplified version of that,
1: right? And it's a lot more under center stuff, it's a lot more um, tight, heavy personnel runs. They vary it up extremely well, similar to the Ravens in many ways with the power, with the zone, with leads, with. Counters with all kinds of stuff they sprinkle everything in across the board and unfortunately they just don't have a home run hitter. Um, Sony Michelle wasn't even a home run hitter when he was healthy he's, he's more that you know consistent back that follows his holes and, and does what he's supposed to do. Harris I think has filled that role pretty well obviously they still have Burkhead James White trot those guys out there and Burkhead is a, a sneaky little devil he uh, he can he can hurt you a little bit he has some juice. In weird ways Ravens have had many encounters with Burkhead over the years so I don't I don't think I need to go too into detail with Ravens fans about that one but their offense just I don't know they don't throw the ball well and down by the the goal line I don't know I, I haven't even looked how many touchdowns has Cam Newton thrown for two two touchdowns this year uh really struggled to throw the ball inside the 20 and when you know they're going to run the ball and, and they don't have you know outside threats that you have to respect necessarily. You know, I mean, especially with the Ravens, having Marlon Humphrey throw him on Jacoby Myers and and you're probably going to be good to go there. So it feels like the Patriots are mightily outmatched in that department. Cam has thrown some picks. Uh, not great. Not not a great offense. Not a great offense. But you did mention, yeah, their DVOA is third and rushing. It's been top five all year. The run blocking is outstanding, but they just they just really have to string long drives together and against a Ravens front that has so many weapons up front, Derek Wolf, Brandon Williams, McPhee, Judon, you know, those guys, Jalen Ferguson been playing some pretty good ball, especially inside, uh, closing down the line, things like that, able to to really stiff and hold the edge on uh, some inside concepts and some, some, you know, C gap concepts. Colts got him a couple times with some misdirection, but those guys are going to be able to, to hold ground and tackle, and the Patriots don't have guys that force-miss tackles or that break away in the open field, things like that. So they really are going to have to play perfectly on offense to, to beat this Ravens defense.
3: Scale of 1 to 10, what is the concern level taking Calais Campbell out of that equation?
1: For this game, I think the big, I think the biggest thing that Calais Campbell does is create pressure. Um, as an, uh, He's the only sub- substantial interior pressure that the Ravens have had dating really back to Haloti a long time ago, long time ago. They haven't had a length, strength, double team ability and mobility kind of combination like him in forever. And, you know, last year he put up some 70-odd pressures, which was more than the Ravens' starting defensive line put up between Williams and Pierce and those guys, so, I mean, at this point for this game, I would say it's it's like a four or a five, I don't think because of that. You know, Derek Wolf has been an outstanding run defender, outstanding, outstanding run defender, really holding up well at the point of attack, showing great mobility, chasing down the line. Uh he uses he's been using this really nice long arm on inside run concepts where he's taken his uh his in, or excuse me, his outside arm and just getting it right into the neck of dude sitting in India a couple times and chasing plays down from behind doing all kinds of stuff. He seems to have a really strong understanding where the ball is going against different concepts. So I think he's going to take a lion's share of those snaps. And because the Ravens, you know, aren't really going to need to generate pressure to win this game necessarily. I don't think it's a big loss, but moving forward, the next couple of games, definitely, definitely, definitely a big loss.
3: And then obviously Jimmy Smith is a great tackler in the secondary. I mean, is it a bigger loss in terms of the fact that you know the passing game or is it a bigger loss in the run game because i feel like he does get mixed up in the run game a little bit correct me if i'm wrong
1: yeah i mean no jimmy's always been a strong tackler uh i mean he's a freak man he's a literal giant for a cornerback he's he's not quite as big as richard sherman but probably you know just about as, as C C. yeah he's a thick boy he's always tackled well yeah i definitely agree there and at the end of the day, you know, Chuck Clark and and Deshaun Elliott do so many things and getting Marlon Humphrey back counteracts that, especially because I don't foresee the Patriots really wanting to rely on 11 personnel and and spreading the ball and trying to throw it. So Marlon will be back there and uh, big boys up front. So, I mean, I, I think the Patriots could have like a mildly successful day running the ball, but, you know, in terms of like 30 some carries, 120 yards or something, I don't know, but you know, four or five yards of carry, but I just don't see them being able to punch the ball in or when they get stuffed consistently, get out of third and long. And with the way the Ravens have been dialing stuff up, it's going to be an uphill battle for that offense for sure. And the, the, the overtone is that the Ravens are not going to take the Patriots lightly. The last thing, John Harbaugh on his deathbed, his last breath would be like, don't take the Patriots lightly. Like, stick it to the Patriots every way possible. The amount of satisfaction and, like, I don't want to say gloating, but smiles out of John Harbaugh after the Ravens romped the Patriots on Monday Night Football last year. He fucking hates losing to the Patriots, man. He always has. The bitching and moaning he did after that playoff game with the uh, ineligible man stuff was pretty, pretty Jim Harbaugh esque. <laughs> and uh, I, don't, I don't think they'll take them lightly. They're going to want to smack the Patriots down on, on Sunday night football and kind of get revenge for some of the things the Patriots have done to the Ravens, but uh, I, don't, I don't think the Ravens are going to take this one lightly one bit.
3: I have a take. Take away. I am a little worried about Marlon. I think... Uh, COVID-wise? Yeah, I think everyone's like, ah, just plug him right back in, and he's just going to be punching balls out and being an all-pro again right away. Zeke got it. He has not looked the same since. It's been months. Cam got it. He has not looked the same since. It's been a couple of weeks. Some of these guys are getting it and they're not just coming back right away. And I know Marlon's a young, healthy guy and probably is going to appear to be fine on the surface, but it, it just, it wouldn't surprise me if he's maybe lagging a little bit, maybe having a little trouble stepping up to, uh, do some of the things that we've come to know him to do consistently. I don't think long, long term, but I don't know, man, these, these first couple of games, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'd be surprised if he's going to be maybe on the wrong end of a few big plays.
1: I don't think it's going to deter him from, from getting to the football. Um, I understand, I hear what you're saying. Like, it, it can make you winded and things like that. It affects your respiratory system. But I don't – like, number one, the Zeke thing, their whole offensive line got hurt. And then Dak got hurt. And I think those are, are probably the main culprits there, but I wouldn't think that this is a game where, you know, you're going to need him to be covering 55 yards downfield repetitively. And I don't think it's going to affect him in the way of like being able to step into the fan. He's, he's going to step into the fan against the run and against screens and anything like that. But I mean, yeah, maybe he's, you know, lost a little tiny bit of juice. It's just like if he if he truly is, is good to go and is asymptomatic at this point and it was not a big deal. I mean, I know people that had it for a month and couldn't get over it. And I, like, for instance, I know a personal trainer. I'm not going to name names, but a personal trainer that I'm friends with. And they had it and took them like eight weeks to get back into the gym. And they're a, a gym addict other von miller i know von miller has asthma it affected him for sure but um i know other people other people that had had some symptoms had definitely sniffles coughing some congestion things like that and back into the gym good to go don't don't feel any residual effects So i think it affects everyone differently but i mean i wouldn't
3: rule it out entirely and it's something i don't want to like just recklessly speculate on i just looking at some of the other examples i feel like there may be some calls for concern but i do think you make a point there where He's obviously not going to be as involved on a play-to-play basis, like somebody like Cam, especially Zeke, maybe a little bit to another extent. And I mean, of the two of us, you're the one who's had it, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you what it's like. But just you know, a little, a little something to keep an eye on, I think. The only thing that I,
1: that my experience with it lets me know is that it's different for everyone. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, for sure. pretty, I mean, it's hard to hard to pontiff or to uh, project what it's going to be. But I would, like I said, I wouldn't rule that out. Who knows? I mean. He sounds hoarse and is having some trouble running. Like,
3: which, by heck? the way, I can confirm he does not. Following him on Instagram, he's back to his uh, regular shenanigans, dancing with well, Mark Ingram and screaming at the top of his lungs. Uh, maybe to uh, he's like a four-year-old boy when he gets excited. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: it's like all right, it's all right, Marlon.
1: I, I love it. But yeah, I mean that side of the football, it's it's going to be the Patriots are going to have to have a workmanlike, efficient well-executed, well-schemed strike. And it feels like the cards are stacked against them. But I wouldn't say it's terribly dissimilar in terms of talent from what the Ravens faced against the Colts from a talent standpoint with the Ravens offense against the Colts defense. I think that was a little bit closer. And, you know, having the quarterback able to make plays and do things is is an X factor. But that shows that the Ravens had to be really mega efficient is the point I'm trying to make. They had to go 10 for 10 and they had to run the ball successfully when they needed to in the second half. Like there was a very slim margin for error for the Ravens offense because they were
3: outmanned a little bit. And I feel the same way about this Patriots offense against the Ravens defense. Very true. And I guess with that, we can switch over to the other side of the ball. Patriots usually known for having a strong defense that has not been the case recently at very least. What is uh, kind of the first thing that jumps off the screen to you with this this Pats defense? They're blitzing
1: like insane, insanely. They're blitzing like w- Wink
3: with his hair on fire. Um, what a sight they, that would be, by the way. He would have some big Guy Fieri vibes if he were to do that. If he got like some, yeah, oh my god, he would. He would look just like
1: Guy Fieri if he got a <laughs> frosted tips. So I don't know why that
3: came into my mind, but yeah, like it. That's pretty. The uncanny. fact that he's not Guy Fieri for Halloween is like frustrating. Maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe with COVID times, you can't really do that. But next year, hopefully.
1: But like, he could have done that last year, the five years prior.
3: Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. We'll we'll have to get in touch with him. We'll get him on this on the podcast, and we'll we'll tell him. Donald, have you been Guy Fieri Fieri for Halloween?
1: But yeah, the Patriots are blitzing uh, since week five. They've been blitzing forty seven point four percent of opponents' dropbacks per next gen stats. Opposing quarterbacks have gone no tutties, four picks, uh, 60.2 passer rating when the Patriots blitz. And the reason they have to blitz is because they've been missing Stefan Gilmore. They can't afford to let passers hold the ball. They don't have any strong pass rushers, um, particularly. I think Chase Winovich has done some things, and, and they've had a couple guys that have done some things. But they don't have a guy. They don't have any guy Ow. at all. Um I don't think they're able to if they don't blitz, I don't that they they can't win straight up. And they did that last year. I mean, last year they led the NFL or they were second in the they either led the NFL or second. Ravens were one or two, I can't recall. Um in cover zero. And that's what they like to do. They've been having fun with that. That was the big thing last year when the Ravens faced off against them. And Ravens handled it really well. And it's gonna be a test again. Ravens can counteract that just by doing what they did in the second half against Indy. Keep Boyle and Ricard in, man. Keep those two guys to age your offensive line. They are like 0.8 of an offensive lineman each. And having those two back there is like unbelievable. You can use them to pin, pin a pass rusher, preferably a good one or a, or one of the more threatening ones on any given team. And, those guys can really lock it down, and then leak. You know, Boyle can go leak out if he needs to and be a little safety valve, but I think that's a big thing to be able to counteract them. They want to do similar things for the Ravens. They want to press you. They want to get up in your grill, force you to throw to your primary read, maybe disrupt the timing, and uh, intercept some balls. J.C. Jackson, a guy that I really wanted the Ravens to target at the trade deadline, has had an up-and-down year. He had a rough week last week. I believe he had a pick as well. Um, he has had, f- he's, I think he's allowed five touchdowns and also has five interceptions on the year per SIS. And, um, he, he had to step up and try and be, you know, corner number one with Stefan Gilmore out. Stefan Gilmore's knee apparently, uh, I think he missed practice yesterday. So who knows with him, he has had an up and down year as well. Uh, they missed Patrick Chung. They still have McCourty back there playing high level football, but overall the, their front seven can't generate pressure. Doesn't stop the run well. Uh, largely useless so this is a good get it right game again for the ravens without ronnie stanley to pound the rock and threaten the patriots defense downhill this could be a big gus edwards game it feels like
3: is the blitzing thing and kind of sending all those guys and leaving open space is that part of the reason why the jets were so successful off play action in that game because it felt like every time that they were completing passes or gaining first downs there was Joe Flacco, Gary Kubiak type thing where you're in the I formation, little play action, and then whichever wide receiver, Perryman or uh, Mims even running a crosser. Do you think there's something to that? I haven't gotten a chance to watch the all 22 of the Jets game. I've
1: I've watched some Patriots already this year, but uh, it, to me it looked like Flacco was murdering them on play action as I watched the game in real time. He hit like five big play action passes. I think he had like 162 yards on play action, something like that. Yep. And I'm sure that the Patriots were blitzing on at least half of those or about half of those because, like I said, about half of all dropbacks they've been blitzing. So, yeah, I think uh, not getting home is a a big deal. And if you can get the ball out cleanly, do it. And if the Patriots want to do that, this could be a Hollywood game as well. I mean, let Hollywood go. You know what I was thinking
3: was a little Willie Sneed action. You mentioned Hollywood. You mentioned Gus Edwards. But Willie Sneed has been coming alive the last couple weeks just finding open spaces in the zone, sitting down, catching the ball, turning around and running. And it felt like the Jets, some of those Jets players were doing that. A little play action, a little, you know, clear out the, the defense with Hollywood and, you know, maybe get Boykin running a little bit and just clear out that space for Willie to just eat like he has the last couple of weeks. I think this could be another pretty big game for him. I agree. And we've talked about what the Ravens need to do against the Blitz. They need to get the line quicker.
1: They need to... Uh, communicate pre-snap make sure there's a hot read make sure somebody's coming open quick and giving Lamar a a quick safety valve but Willie Sneed yeah it feels like we've said on here before why like it got to the point where we're like all right if you're not going to use Willie Sneed trade for someone that you'll use yeah we I've never understood how he runs so many routes also really has never done anything to be like ah like what have you been like damn Willie Sneed really didn't look great, like, didn't look good at all. Like, I can't really think of any games off the top of my head where it was like, damn, Willie Sneed does he's nice kind of a the lot. uh, the jack of all trades, master of none type deal. I think, yeah, for sure. I think he, he his his job is a block effectively, he's that move motion blocker a ton. He stays in the slot for the most part and um, you know, finds soft spots in zone and against man, he can kind of give you the shake. He runs a lot of slants, a lot of crossers, you know, easy man beaters. and. He's just like a, a little bit of a technician on those. Works across, you know, gets some, some leverage and uh, he can't really run away from guys, but he, uh, he, mot- I like to say he motors. Like he's not fast, but he like gets going and he'll pick up like 15, but never
3: 50. He's like a nice mid-class Subaru, you know? A nice uh, Subaru legacy. <laughs> the kid, owner of a Subaru legacy.
1: The old Subaru legacy. But he, uh, he, I mean, he does his damn job and I love Willie Sneed. I think that, It was really, like, his limited usage is so peculiar to me. And even dating back to last year, like, he did wild things against Kansas City in 2019. Had that insane, like, helicopter catch. He's made plays against Kansas City quite a few times and then just doesn't get, didn't get targeted. But the last two games, I think he has, what, seven catches, 147 yards, 153 yards, something like that. So it's good to see him get going. But if they're going to blitz heavily, run that kind of stuff, Hollywood, get get Hollywood the ball. It's about time. Get Hollywood going. And there's been some trouble with that. I feel like in this, uh, in this Colts game, there were a couple times where there was some soft coverage and there was not really a linebacker that could have hooked underneath of anything. And it, it's not Madden, but at the same time, like let's fucking signal a slant over there or just a quick route where he just turns to Lamar and Lamar throws him
3: the ball. and You audible to the uh, use soldier play. Okay. Yeah. You,
1: so you hit, what is it? Y or you X. hit X, y, and then use soldier button, which yeah. is, I guess like the right stick to the right button. Yes. And uh, that's use soldier. So use that damn soldier. So you can do it. The Patriots are really good against tight ends for some reason this year. No tight end has done really Anything to them? Uh, I believe they they really shut down Travis Kelsey. Um, they're I think in terms of fantasy points, which isn't you know hashtag analysis, but I think they are like allowing like four point seven fantasy points per game to tight ends in full point PPR, which is like two catches for twenty five yards, like nothing at all. So Mark Andrews, who knows? Maybe they uh, they go game breaker away. They did use Mark Andrews a few times last year, but. Patriots have been pretty shut down on that aspect. And overall, I mean, it just – I think this is a game where the Ravens can just run the football on the Patriots straight up. They don't have the uh, they don't have the linebackers. They don't have the, the mobile kind of disruptive interior presence that we've seen have some success. I mean, DeForest Buckner last week was a menace.
3: And the Patriots are the antithesis of DeForest Buckner up front. Very cool. So what do you think? Do a little predictions, then we get to questions, then we get out of here with the interview?
1: Yeah, let's, uh, let's do it. Prediction-wise, it's really hard for me not to say this game is going to be a blowout. It just feels like it is. Uh, I have a gut feeling that it's like a, a little close in the first half or something, like, and then the Ravens run away with it but I just don't understand how the Patriots are going to be able to stop the Ravens rushing attack. Uh, I don't think they have the athletes up front. I don't think they have the speed up front to stay with Lamar Jackson. And it feels like the Ravens really started to get something going against the Colts. Patriots also in a short week, um, just a day, but doesn't help them. So let's go. Uh, I think the Ravens put up points in this one. Let's go 30. Try and aim for a score. Got me. I don't have the list,
3: but 39 Patriots, 19. I feel like that's definitely not going to be a score going on me.
1: 39-19, probably not.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go maybe a little similar to what we've been seeing. I think they're going to get off to a slow start on offense. I'm like, Greg Roman shit is going to start up again. But they'll they'll turn it on. It'll be okay. Ultimately, I said in the dossier, Ravens, 27, Patriots, 17.
1: 27-17. So that would be three tutties, two field goals. Patriots find the end zone a couple times, kick a field goal. Who is yeah. their
3: kicker? That's one thing I didn't look at. Is it that, that alt-right dude? I do not know. Roarwasser was his name? I. Hmm, that's a good question. Might be It's not Nick Folk. I think it was Nick Folk at one point.
1: Patriots kicker. Justin Roarwasser? Yeah, that's the
3: dude with the... the dude. That was in May. He's he still the kicker. Thirty one nineteen is a score on Okay. Patriots kicker.
1: I said thirty nine nineteen. Thirty nine 19. nineteen. okay. okay. Thirty nine nineteen. 19
3: okay. Patriots cut rookie Justin Rorosser and Nick Folk. Yeah, because I remember um, September. Twitter was taking a little bit of a victory lap after that kid got cut because of that tattoo that he had. Which, yeah what, what did he have? A tattoo of the One Percenters, which is like a Proud Boys-esque group.
1: Ah, uh, wow. That's a, such a weird thing for
3: a kicker to have in particular. Uh, yeah. I think he went to Marshall. yeah, it's very bizarre situation. I don't even know don't how anyone come from Marshall. Marshall. Yeah, it's good. Nick Folk, Nick Folk. okay. okay. Very chill. so twenty seven seventeen. Uh, okay. let's get to some questions then. had a couple only a handful or so coming on Twitter. So let me pull that up right now. we had Hugh Neutron. love the show. Thank you, Hugh Neutron. Is the Kyler Lamar comparison warranted? We still got a whole lot of football left. I think he just means for the season. Shouts to my uncle, who is the owner of Cooper's uh, slash Slante in Fells Point. It's a nice little spot. Can you repeat
1: the, la- can you repeat the last sentence
3: about Slante's? Uh, shout out to my uncle, who is the owner of Cooper's slash Slante in Fells Point. I think I've been there. Little Irish spot, maybe?
1: Who, who, who put that?
3: Hugh Neutron. Liam, Fri- Liam F. Ridings. Or Fridings. I, I love Sante's. The food there is incredible.
1: And uh, Cooper's too. Cooper's had a Shark Burger last year. Shark Burger? Shark Burger. Very nice. Um, I don't know where that came from, but that's so sick. I love those two places. Yeah, I thought nice. it was my friend Clay because we had this whole thing about – there's a golden retriever story. The logo of Cooper's Tavern is a golden retriever. We thought we thought we knew the owner of Cooper's Tavern because their dog's name was Cooper and it was a golden retriever. But Does
3: that look familiar? Mistaken.
1: Nope, but that's awesome. Love those two places. Uh, unofficial
3: sponsors of the pot. Officially, looks like he's getting a fit off in his Twitter picture too. I love this guy. Hell yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, great spots. And Kyler Lamar comparison. It's weird because like I picked Kyler to win MVP, and I kind of deep down knew this was going to happen. I also said that Lamar statistically is not going to be where he was, and like there's this, there's going to be this weird conversation around him where people are like talking about him regressing. I think a lot of people kind of have that take. So. It's one thing to say, oh, this is going to happen. It's another thing to actually have to go through it and have to, like, have the conversation and get frustrated and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the comparison, it's warranted in the sense that they're both young, mobile quarterbacks. One is an MVP. One is in the MVP conversation. But I don't know. Like, it's its a thing where, like, you always have to, like, pit one guy up against another guy, and there's always got to be a comparison. And it happens in particular with Lamar. He's got a big old target on his back for a lot of different reasons that we've talked about. Uh, and you know, Kyler is kind of a stylistic comparison. So it's going to happen. I would just say maybe don't think too much into it. And like, that's probably advice that I personally need to take as well. Uh, and also like, it's one thing like Dan Orlovsky, you can say what you want about somebody like that. A guy who, like I said, say what you want. He watches the tape. He does his homework. Somebody like Ryan Clark, who's saying this shit, like you very much don't have to listen to somebody like that. Uh, he he doesn't know what he's talking about. So don't worry about him as Spencer's connection has cut out here. Sorry for anyone listening. See what's going on. Looks like he just texted me doing some some filibustering. I'll be back in 30 seconds. Laptop died. Okay. So he'll be back in 30 seconds. His laptop died. So that's where we're at. Um, I guess I'm just doing the solo radio hour. Morning zoo. It's me for the next 30 seconds, he says. So, yeah, I mean, the Kyler Lamar thing, it's warranted don't go too crazy about it and don't allow people who clearly are not watching tape like Ryan Clark and like Shannon sharp to get into your head because they don't know what they're talking about it's just me now on the camera. Look at that. I look, eh, man, I look pretty good. Got this little, uh, shirt jacket situation on. Uh, okay. Let me jump to, let's see, jump to some questions in here real quick. J.E. Wong, 47. What's up, boys? What's up, J.E. Wong? It's going to be wild watching Lamar out Cam Cam on Sunday night. I think that's a good take. I think it is going to be wild doing it. I think you are talking about some similar teams where issues in the passing game, running game is much more effective. I think, the like I mentioned earlier, the Patriots are a very much amplified version of that. So, yeah, uh, we're going to see what happens, but I do think Stylistically, you're talking about two very similar teams at this point. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here and get the link sent out to him, so bear with me for one second. Spencer, okay, I'm going to not read his email. Okay. Okay, sending him the link. Okay, yeah, sorry about that. Uh but yeah, I think uh two stylistic comparisons for sure. I think um Cam, I don't know, like I don't know if anyone's been watching, but it's been a, a rough go of it for him. Pretty much since that Seattle game, he looked really, really good in that game, especially passing. Like I think that was kind of the main concern with people. Like that first game against the Dolphins, he's just kind of running around and like going on these design runs and scored a touchdown, I think, on a run and it was kind of a, a situation where it's like, okay, they can kind of fake it around a little bit. They know where to miss. They know what to do and what not to do, and it's going to be okay. But then that Seattle game comes up, and it's like, oh, wow, this is actually like a real thing. This guy might be earning himself another final big contract before he has to retire in a couple of years, and now we don't know where he's at, man. It's a, a very weird spot to be in if you're Cam Newton, bet on himself with a very vet minimum kind of low risk for the Patriots, high risk for him deal this year at the exact, exact minimum. So he was definitely hoping to do better than he is at this point. And it looked like he was going to be, but it's not the case, man. He, you know, was unfortunate to get COVID and unfortunate to kind of be in the spot that he's in right now. So that sucks. Evan Ash, good evening. He said jealous and then he went to fellas. Um, so that's sick.
1: Oh, Hey, thanks for joining us. I I think my laptop actually just automatically updated and I uh, decided to do an old restart is what I
3: just gathered. So that's sick. My apologies. You're good. I was filibustering pretty well there. Uh, did some YouTube questions. We, and then we had the Kyler Lamar comparison. What do you think about that? Kyler Lamar,
1: Kyler and Lamar are funny to me because they're very similar in terms of mobility, um, elusiveness, speed. I think, I think Kyler would actually beat Lamar in a 40. Uh, he's a fucking burner, man. His is those short little strides too. But they're just funny to me because Kyler basically can't throw the ball over the middle of the football field. And Lamar struggles to throw the ball outside the boundary, uh, outside the numbers. So it's funny to me in that sense, I believe that Kyler is an incredibly deep, accurate passer. I think that Lamar uh, kind of works outside of the confinement of the offense more effectively. But let's just, I mean, it's just really, I I, I love this debate. I love this debate. Kyler's the next quarterback He's the next second year quarterback that is getting headlines. Cardinals are doing well. I picked them to win the NFC. Um, I didn't mean to, but when I did the full 32 team game by game predictions in August, Cardinals went 11 and five and that won the NFC for some reason, which, which definitely won't win the NFC. Someone will have a better record than that. But uh, in terms of Kyler, Lamar, like they're both really fucking good. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. Like if you want, want me to pick one, I'm not The crux gonna, of I'm my argument is that
3: this is being drummed up by people like Ryan Clark and Shannon Sharp, who are just not watching tape. Like, say what you want about like Dan Orlovsky. Like he's got some bad opinions, but that's a guy who at least does do his homework all No, that.
1: Ryan Clark grinds a fucking tape. You think so?
3: Yes, big
1: time. He is like he has like a DB like factory in the off season. He he knows what he's talking about a good bit um i just uh, i just like claim, okay he's he made the claim that if 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 kyler was the quarterback of the ravens the ravens would be legit super bowl contenders or whatever
2: are they and i just think
1: i think that claim is bullshit and just like a take but um but like he's saying I, that as if the ravens aren't
3: right now like are they not
1: people think that they're not because if they lose to the Chiefs once. And if they lose the chiefs three years in a row, they can never beat the chiefs and they'll inevitably play the chiefs. And the chiefs will inevitably be in the AFC championship and everything happens. Everything that happens in football is already known. When four months in advance, we know every team that will play in the playoffs and every matchup and how every game will go. That is, that is what people talk like halfway through a football season. And that's just not true. So to say that the Ravens who have lost four of their last 20 regular season games, no four of their last 20 yeah 20 regular season games um is preposterous it is blasphemous in the words of Stephen A Smith at
3: literally any point literally any point literally any point during the 2012 regular season the same thing probably could have and probably was said about Joe Flacco and Matt Ryan so can we calm down with like the crystal ball bullshit that Ryan Clark does not have that I do not have that nobody fucking has let's all calm down
1: yeah, I think that I think that Kyler at the same time is outstanding. He's great. Was he was like I mentioned, I don't know if, if you Lamar heard this. Jackson, if listen, if Lamar Jackson threw three interceptions to the Detroit Lions and lost to the fucking Lions, the the world would burn like the Lamar Twitter shit would burn to the ground if that happened. And that didn't happen. Lamar didn't throw three picks and lose the Lions. Kyler Murray fucking did. Yeah, because Lions he doesn't defense sucks.
3: He was my pick to win MVP. I think he's tremendous. I think he's fun we to have watch. A bet.
1: You said you wanted in on the bet. I played,
3: yeah. I put money down.
1: A- absolutely. We did put, because it was, I thought it was
3: good odds. I like the value there. We did put I money. Like the, I, I almost forgot about that. I'm feeling good about that right now. The con-
1: the continuous, um, trend of Mahomes, second year MVP, Lamar second year MVP. It's the narratives and the narratives. And that's what ESPN is. Ryan Clark works for ESPN. Dan Orlovsky works for ESPN. ESPN guys have to go on TV every single day. And, stir up some fucking drama because that's literally their
3: job. Their yeah, I mean, is They're basically football gossip. That plucky underdog first overall pick Kyler Murray is better than 32nd overall pick Lamar Jackson. I mean, great stuff. And a guy who doesn't make people angry because he's from the a Cardinals different
1: thought Kyler Murray was so good. They traded their one year in top 10 quarterback who they never should have drafted. And he sucks anyway, but immediately we're like, Oh yeah. Kyler fucking Murray. Cliff Kingsbury. Kyler Murray is the best quarterback in the history of Texas. History of the state of Texas and was at, I mean, at Oklahoma, he was unreal. And I think Kyler Murray's outstanding. He's going to be good for a really long time. People want to make comparisons to Lamar or Russell Wilson or whatever, this, that, or the other. Kyler does things that neither of those guys do. And both of those guys do things that the others don't. So, End and of because day. of because really of what because
3: really of what Lamar because of what Lamar plays like looks like and sounds like he makes people viscerally angry and he's more polarizing than somebody like Kyler who's a little more straightforward so it's different standards that they're being judged against for bullshit reasons and I don't want to get sucked into it because I like Kyler Murray quite a bit I think he's very good uh, I just don't want to it's a conversation that it, it pisses me off a little bit I think it is kind of warranted in some ways but you know it is what it is But, I I mean,
1: my assignment for SIS, when I started working there, you finish training. At the end of training, they say, you know, what NFL teams do you like or prefer to work on? Or, you know, they want you to work on the same teams consistently because then you are faster more efficient. You understand the team. You know their tendencies, all kinds of stuff like that. I picked the Cardinals. I picked the Ravens, the Raiders, and the Cardinals. I ended up getting assigned the Cardinals. I've worked on, I think, six of the Cardinals games so far. The funniest part about that, to me, is that the Cardinals scheme – might be more unique meaning specific meaning like outlier than the ravens they run an air raid rpo screen offense with deep ball variations out of it like they run a very unique offense so the original subject matter is you know based basically on upon what ryan clark says i don't think taking kyler murray and sticking him in another offense is going to accentuate him like i don't like i think either of them would be good in different offenses and they would be worse and shittier offenses with less talent whatever but it's just funny because he's operating in such a scheme specific offense right now with the incredibly high screen usage the weird like they want they have plays where they run screens to both sides and it's actually an rpo draw where basically all five linemen three vacate to one side two vacate to the other on screens on dual mirrored screens And then Kyler, the play is actually so that Kyler can run up the middle. Like, they draw some crazy shit up. And I think that accentuates Kyler. That's great. I'm happy that it does that. But it's just funny to me because, like, it implies that Kyler Murray could run the Lamar Jackson offense better or something, or Lamar Jackson couldn't run the Kyler.
3: I think it's just two unique offenses, and they're both talented playmakers. Very true. Moving on, Matthew Hollister, who's winning the Masters? Uh um, my pick before the week looking pretty good right now. Uh so I'm going to stick with it, Mr. Justin Thomas winning the Masters.
1: I had uh DJ Dustin Johnson, both of them sitting pretty right now. Tied for the lead. Yeah, very good picks. Dustin Johnson looked
3: really tired
1: at the end of uh end of the I guess the front 9 his his back 9, but yeah, could, on the uh, holes 1 through 9 there looked really worn down. I, is it not crazy? I mean, how often does it happen where there's a delay and they're playing in no playing late when the sun goes down early and then you have to play around and a half in the morning straight and then i mean it,
3: it also doesn't happen during daylight saving so they really had to squeeze it in um and dj uh he takes care of himself but he's he's a work hard play hard kind of guy i'll just leave it at that so uh not that surprising in that sense uh jared been with you guys since under 500 followers on instagram it's awesome how fast you guys have grown and i love being a part of it you guys have the best content thank you jared
1: Jared,
3: Jared. Hopefully, uh, not the subway, Jared. Uh, already hit some of these YouTubes, but we'll jump into it. Evan Ash, good evening, fellas. Might be Friday the thirteenth, but we are lucky to have such great hosts. Rare hatless Jake, J.E. Wong, also giving me a hatless Jake comment. Uh, yeah, you know, it just kind of. It's been a long day. I, I mean, you got a haircut, didn't you? That's why I did recently. Yeah, so I, I got the uh, old yeah, high and yeah, tight the situation.
1: Truth comes out. The truth comes
3: out. Looks good. It looks good. Yeah, I, it just. It also like these headphones are bootleg as shit and they like snatch my or snag onto my hair when it's a little bit longer so the fact that it's cut short now i can kind of go a little bit more more hatless but uh i I do like to go with the hat look when we're recording gives me a i don't know it's kind of a metaphor depends on the mood depends
1: on my mood i do i do hats a good
3: bit when we're recording the uh the movie one of my favorites miller's crossing his hat is sort of the metaphor for his sort of strength as a man so maybe that's something that I'm hanging on to there. Maybe some deep psychological. A regular story. cap Adonis, if you will. Exactly. Kyle Barber, my good friend. Hey, just finished the bartending shift. Boys hyped for the release of the Bozeman interview. I bet you are. He was a big part of it. Spenny was unfortunately unable to be a part of the Bozeman interview due to some work stuff. So we had Kyle pinch hit for us at the last minute. He did a great job leading off. I admittedly was like not feeling great today. So when you, you let me know that you couldn't do it, I was like, fuck, I can't do this by myself.
1: If you would have been like, dude, come on, I would have been like, oh, fuck. Okay. No, if, because like, I know you you're didn't have, I would have done it, but I was just like,
3: mm, no, I know is you're gonna make my
1: day. So shitty. If I do this right, I
3: now. know you're busting your ass on, uh, SIS. And like, I also like, there's a very specific reason why, like you couldn't afford to like, just pull back the curtain. Like we get a specific time. And then like, that doesn't always wind up being the time. So we'll be sitting there sometimes. And like,
1: they basically make it so that we will always be
3: early and they will never be early. Which is fine. I mean, it's fine. It's okay. But why, like, why wouldn't they do that? Yeah, it makes it a little more uncertain for us. So, like, obviously, you couldn't afford that. But uh, yeah, hit up Kyle at the last second. Um, he actually wound up going into work at his bartending shift a little bit late to uh, help make it happen. So, great job for you, by you, Kyle. And he pretty much set the whole thing up to begin with uh, through his Thanks, relationship man. with Ravens PR. So, thank you, sir. Uh, Evan Ash really want to know what <laughs> really want to know what conspiracy theory Spencer <laughs> talks to his mom about. I don't know how deep down that rabbit hole we want to go.
1: Uh, if far. you want to know what the theory was, I'll give you three key words. LIBOR, L-I-B-O-R, Aurora, and Sandy Hook. We'll leave it at that.
0: Folks, I got the documents
3: right here. Um, I, got
1: I got the documents right here. 1997, the got, scientist was falsely claiming that carbon dioxide was... Blah, 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 blah.
3: That guy's a fucking loon. Um, Kyle... <laughs> Kyle, hey, all, be sure to make sure to like this video and subscribe to this channel. Jake and Spenny work hard, and this stuff adds up for landing interviews and stuff. It does. I uh, appreciate that sentiment. Just past 250 subscribers on YouTube, I think. So slowly, steadily growing there. Appreciate that. Evan Ash, loud booing for the Talia pun, which you made earlier. Our, gu- our guy, uh, Mr. Law So Hard, down uh, down in the, the mean streets of Fed Hill. I'm drunk off Tropicannon Bros. Miguel Tejado, oh my God, sick birth certificate. Shout out to im am twelve. Jake looks like he just came from an Italian deli. I don't even know what that means. Um, Kyle was saying get to the football. I think that was about our mindless chatter that we were doing. Evan Ash has been to Gillette Stadium and it sucks. It looks I'm like a nice stadium. A football stadium with this mall. No, I. They're apparently they're, it's like a, a mall situation, but it does. It looks like a, like a nice stadium. Like it's new. J. E. Wong is Julian Edelman a Hall of Faker? Whoops, did I say Faker? I meant gamer. Fuck, famer. Is he a Hall of Famer? That's a good, pretty good question. I think, I think he is. Yeah. He's not a first ballot. No, no. He's it's like, gonna uh, take. A, it's gonna take a while, but I think he'll get in.
1: He's like a. I don't know, man.
3: It might be weird because they have to nominate a certain amount every year. It feels it like these depends days, depends on
1: when he retires and what class. It
3: feels like these days, everyone is getting in. And like a guy that has made that many plays in the postseason, has those rings, and is like an outspoken, gregarious, like well liked guy, I feel like he's going to get in at some point. And he's and uh, not for nothing. He's put up some numbers in his career, too.
1: I love when they're like, I love when they show his like regular season stats in comparison with like the Hall of Fame average or whatever. And then people get really mad and then they're like, well, look at his postseason stats. And it's like, Yeah, I mean, when you do it in the postseason like eight times
3: prolifically, that's pretty substantial. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's called the Hall of Fame for a reason because like you're famous and like he's made a lot of famous plays, much to my chagrin. I mean, listen, he had that touchdown pass that I prefer, you know, never happened, but it did. So we have to deal with it. Uh, Evan asked Julian Edelman keeping famous Jewish sports figures alive. He very much is. Ryan Braun, uh, the Schwartz brothers. Who else we got? Man, they're, I mean, Josh Rosen had probably the best opportunity, you mentioned him earlier, to be like one of the best quarterbacks the tribe has ever produced.
1: He, uh, he, yeah, he could have been the, uh,
3: the Rosh Hashanah Torah thrower, for sure. This is yeah, uh, I mean, this is your clan, obviously, so I, I don't know if you track this a little closer than I do.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think, like Greg Camarillo was another receiver.
3: Uh, a lot of baseball players,
1: a lot oh. Jews have always showed up in baseball.
3: There are a lot of sneaky good basketball players too.
1: Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of odd ones, especially back in the day but Brad Ausmus, I mean there's been there's been some guys manager and uh, manager Paul Goldschmidt <clears throat> I'm trying to think of us my favorite my favorite was Ian Kinsler, the uh, Hebrew Hammer, so to speak back yep. in the like late 2000s, early 2010s ish. When he was crushing, he was uh, the best. There was also Hammer and Hank Greenberg, for those of you who remember.
3: Very chill. He was uh,
1: in the Hall of Fame. Hall of Famer. There was an offensive Sandy lineman Koufax, on. probably the best Jewish pitcher of all time by far, maybe the best of all time in general.
3: There was an offensive lineman on the Bears. I forget who, but Robert Mays and called him the Bear Jew, which obviously that hits home for us. That definitely
1: does. Jordan Farmar uh, chosen as well. Uh, other than that, there's, I'm trying to think, there's some boxers and then some other strange sports. But uh, not a not a ton not a ton of the tribe in football.
3: Jules, I think Jules is probably number one for football. Yeah, I would, I would say so. Adam Jones, our boy, a Sheriff Jake, and Doctor Schultz back in the buildings. Yes, sir. All I want to know is, all I want to know is, you guys think Goff is better than Cam, and if Cam is better than Stafford, and if Stafford is better than Goff, I think, I think, I think Stafford is better than both right now. But I would take golf in the McVay system like if that makes sense like if I had to pick a system in a situation I would I would take golf
1: I bet Stafford would be sick in McVay's system
3: probably yeah I think he'd be good in a lot of systems he's just been wasted by the Lions for his career
1: one of the best quarterback
3: prospects of all time Matt Stafford also friends with Clayton Kershaw people don't talk about that people don't talk about that uh jmac 52 do we see some more Dez this week we really didn't see any he got like what two snaps
1: uh, something like that. I don't think it was more than five. He, uh, yeah, I think we'll see some more daz. He's he'll catch a ball somewhere in the next couple of weeks,
3: probably this game or the next. I think. Evan Ash thirty one nineteen is indeed a scoregami. We touched on that. Thirty nine nineteen is also a scoregami. There you go. Scoregami. 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 G. Shelsby, should the Ravens cancel the rest of the season because of the mean stuff Orlovsky said? Uh, yes. Orlovsky is a fraud. He said
1: that the Ravens ran the first play at the beginning of the first half and second half when he actually showed the first play of the second half, which was not the same as the first play of the first half. And uh, fraud and fraudulent. He also Cola. said that they he also Cola. said that they were on the interception, the first one, that the slot receivers ran whip routes. They actually ran sticks routes. Whip routes is when they break inside and then curl back underneath across the towards the line of scrimmage, towards their own end zone outside and that's what they did on the second play that he said was exactly the same as well so fraud fraud alert Dan
3: Olavsky, you've been put on notice he also we he was supposed to come on like a podcast like two summers ago and he ducked us he did he did fuck him I always forget about that yeah I I don't know like I I want to like him so bad he's gonna be a star in the media for a long time uh but his his Ravens takes are just it's too much it's too much come on you ran out of the back of the end zone uh, Ravens
1: play no good defenses except yeah. for the Steelers from this point forward in terms of DVOA and in terms of other efficiency measures. They only play the Steelers in the top half of the NFL. They're going to put up points, kids, and then a lot of uh, a lot of people will be like, oh, but in reality, when you play good defenses, you don't do quite as well. When you play bad ones, you do better. It's really not that hard.
3: Going to be interesting to watch. Uh, closing it out, Evan Ash. Oh, God, why cut this from Kyle? I don't know. Okay. Uh, Evan Ash can't believe Jake missed the airplane joke. I haven't seen an airplane since I was a kid. I need to revisit that. That's my take on that. I haven't seen an airplane in a while. I haven't seen it in a while either. Okay. Okay. Well, I, you know, jam packed show over an hour and we still have the interview to get to, which is about 20 minutes. So uh, you got anything else here?
1: Ravens get back on track offensively carry on the momentum from the second half of the Colts game. Lamar Jackson's going to start balling out and uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a big second half for the Ravens. I think they lose no more than three games in the second half. I think 11 and five looks like worst case scenario. I say that now injuries obviously derail things, but I'm excited for the second half for these final eight games. We still have a lot of football left and thankful with the state of COVID getting worse and people, you know, Uh, states and local authorities and governments and whatnot kind of confining things at least we have football still to get us through so i hope you guys stay safe and thanks for listening
3: stay safe stay sexy thank you for tuning in uh hope you guys stick around for the interview uh it's a really fun one brad is actually a really really nice guy i don't think that should surprise anyone we touched on uh, his life his rv life as it is we touched on him Getting to the NFL, got a a funny Nick Saban story out of him, which I I was really hoping to do. Uh, He he gave us a good one there. And uh, plenty of other stuff. So a great interview coming up with Bradley Bozeman. Uh, But, yeah, on the other side of that, pretty much nothing until Sunday night. So that's going to be a ton of fun. Really appreciate you guys tuning in for our chat here. Be sure to stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, uh, go ahead and subscribe to the show if you have not already. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Uh, Follow us on social media. Follow the show on Twitter at Podcast Beatdown. Follow me at Jake Luke. That is L-O-U-Q-U-E. Follow Spencer at Ravens4Dummies. And go ahead and check us out on Instagram as well at Baltimore underscore Beatdown. And if you are listening to the RSS version of this, check us out on YouTube as well. Uh, Appreciate you guys tuning in. Have yourselves a tremendous weekend. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon, okay? See ya.
2: All right, we now welcome on a very special guest. It's the Ravens offensive lineman, Bradley Bozeman. Thanks for hopping on with us, man.
0: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me.
2: All right, we want to start out with a little bit of a lifestyle question. How was the transition away from RV life, and how's it been for you and the family so far?
0: Oh, it's been beautiful. Um, <laughs> it's been uh, It's been really nice. You know, we loved RV. It was so much fun. We met so many people. Uh, you know, such a new uh, and unique experience. Um, but you know, it was it was nice to once we we found a house that we, we liked that was too good to pass up. Um, you know, getting into it and getting settled. It's been it's been nice to have a little little uh, room to stretch your legs and you know, let the dogs run in the backyard. And um, you know, whenever my wife's mad at me, I can go in the other room or whatever I need to do. Uh, but but you know, it's uh it, it's it's been really nice being in a being out of an RV and into a home.
3: And we wanted to uh, bring that up because you and your wife, you know, you're taking it across the country and it was for a great cause, you know, advocating against bullying. So let our listeners know all about that and kind of the message you guys are trying to get across.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, for as far as our uh, campaign goes, um, you know, we went cross country when we went from uh, started in Maryland and then went to Alabama, Georgia, uh, Texas, out to California, and then came back and got shut down by COVID. Uh, but we got to speak to, I believe it was 14 out of the 18, uh, stops that we had planned. Um, and something that we had, we had found is, you know, no matter it was Maryland or Texas or California, um, rich, poor, big, small, whatever it may be. Um, everyone still had all the same problems, you know, social media, it was, uh, the fights and, you know, just, just the social media stream was a really big part of it, um, but you know, we just we got to go out and talk to all these kids, and got to, to really experience and see what the world was like with these, you know, with these different kids in different states. Uh, I think we're we're at about a hundred thousand plus kids uh, that we have spoken to so far. I've uh, done it in uh, I think 27 different states. Uh, hopefully, one day we can get to all all 50. But you know, it's been a really uh, life-changing um, thing for us, you know, to be able to have these opportunities to go and talk to these kids. Uh, You know, obviously with COVID, we're not able to get into schools uh, like we were before, but, you know, we're doing a few uh, social media platforms and, you know, different ways for kids to reach out, whether it's via social media, via uh, email, whatever it is, Uh, but now we have transitioned into uh, food insecurities, and so Nikki and I have partnered up with Nourish now and a couple other um, sponsors, and we have been able to uh, do food insecurities every other week in downtown Baltimore. Um, and doing about 20,000 meals at each, um, at each drive. So it's been, it's been a great transition for us to be able to still be involved in our community and to make, try to make a difference in these hard times that COVID have brought on so many people. That's awesome. That's awesome.
2: That story, you know, along with your play on the field, I think has really helped put you on the map as a, a fan favorite here in Baltimore, which is a pretty cool story for a guy who was a sixth-round pick just three years ago. You know, that's a story I find really interesting because you were a big time player on the best team in the country at Alabama, but we're, uh you were a l- relatively under the radar prospect. Do you know, do you remember why that ended up being the case?
0: Um, so I think a lot of the problem was that people thought I was a system guy. Uh, people thought that I wasn't necessarily a good individual player, but I fit it into a scheme um, and just made it work. Uh, but you know, I've I've always tried to myself on. On being trying to be the best on the field, trying to win every block I have, uh, being physical, being dominant, um, you know, and just just being the best version of myself, you know, no matter what other people say, you know, I was uh, apparently an overachieving college center that wasn't going to make it in the, the NFL, and you know, I, I strive every day to get better and better, and um, you know, hopefully, I can I can be one of those big guys, um, you know, talked about in the the upper, you know, the upper guards and interior linemen and in the league. So, uh, you know, just continue to work every day and just try to make my craft better and better. Um, you know, and just don't, don't let yesterday affect me and just push forward to, to tomorrow. So,
3: yeah, we can definitely relate. We always have people telling us that we're system bloggers and podcasters and we're fighting against that all the time. But I mean, that's uh, a 2018, that was a super interesting year because you know, you have Flacco still in the picture. You have your fellow rookie in Lamar who kind of represented the future of the team. What's one thing that you remember, kind of looking back on as uh, you know a thing that you remember about that training camp in
0: 2018. Um, I just remember it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was really hot. And, you know, for me, I'm being from Alabama. You know, I'm I'm going north. You know, I'm I'm uh I'm I'm going north, so it should be cold all the time. Uh, but yeah, I, I do remember that. I remember it was being hot, just so much information, so much knowledge uh, that I had to learn. And, you know, as kind of the season developed, you realized what kind of system we were moving towards um, as far as the read options and, and different things of that nature. Um, but, you know, it, it was just uh, you, you saw the the progression and transition, uh, you know, when Joe went down and Lamar came in, just how that, that transferred and, and moved forward. So it was, uh, you know, it, it was just a it was a cool transition to be here for and to see.
2: Uh, you saw plenty of action as a rookie, but like we hit on, you were a little unheralded guy early on. Do you remember anything specific with your approach that allowed you to grab hold of the starting job in 2019?
0: Um, you know, I just I just came with the same mindset that I did. You know, my junior and senior year of college. Um, you know, just come in. You know, do my best. You know, be the best version of myself because you know when you start comparing yourself to other people, you start. You know, well, this guy does this and that guy does that. You're just putting yourself in a hole. Um, all you can control is what you can control. And you try to, you try to maximize your positives and minimize your negatives. Um, and, you know, I, I think I did a decent job and showed enough potential uh, to get the nod. And then hopefully, you know, I just continue to grow from there and uh, just continue to show that I belong on the field and that I belong in this league. Um, you know, I, I'm honored to be a part of this team and to have the teammates that I have and the coaching staff that I have. Um, you know, it's just been a, it's been a a great, great three years for me here in Baltimore. And, uh, you know, we, we love it here and it's just, it's been great. So,
3: yeah, I mean, it's also a really impressive story of you kind of coming into the lineup and it's a really unconventional offense. If you had to sum up for idiots like us or just like the regular fan, what it's like to play offensive line in Greg Roman scheme, how would you sum it up?
0: Um, you know, it's physical, um, it's demanding. It's, um, you know, a lot of knowledge based work. Um, it's about being your playbook. It's about being uh, just on top of the game, you know, because, you know, it, it's just so um, it, it's just so all encompassing as far as you know, the physicality of what we play with. Um, and then at the same time, still having to know, you know, when the backers flow, uh, you have to either transition or let those guys go and move to the next spot. Um, so you know it's kind of an all-in, all-inclusive deal, but you know it's a it's a great offense to play in. Um, it's so much fun. You know you kind of do a little bit of everything, um, and, and we have such great players to be able to execute that, and it makes it makes it a lot of fun, especially having uh, Lamar back there behind you. Uh, you know, just trying to making you right and making you look good. So, um, so yeah, it's just been you know this, this offense is, is such a such a great offense to play in as an offensive lineman.
2: All right, this is one of my favorite questions to ask everybody that hops on here. It's what's one piece of advice you'd give to some of the younger guys or you would give to yourself as you were first starting, you know, when you first became a Baltimore Raven all those years ago. Uh, what, what's the advice you give to Tyree and, and Bredesen that would have helped you when you were in the spot that they're in?
0: Um, so I'll, I'm going to kind of break that up. Um, so I, w- I would say for, you know, your college, your high school, uh, level, I would say take you know take advantage of every single opportunity uh, that you're given. Um, every opportunity that you get to step on the field, every opportunity you get to to be involved in something, uh, just take advantage of it and live it to its fullest. You know, put everything you have into it uh, because you don't know you don't know your the next time you're going to be able to step on that field. You know, for a lot of a lot of um, high school teams, I know especially here in Maryland, um, you know, they're seniors that are aren't going to be able to step on the field this year. They're not going to be able to to have that opportunity to show what they have their, their last year, you know, and it's really, it breaks my heart and it's, um, it's sad. And I, I I feel it, you know, I I feel for him. I missed my senior year because of a a torn ACL. Um, You know, I feel a little bit about what, um, you know, what they're going through, but, you know, just take advantage of every single opportunity that you can. Um, And then, you know, for the guys like Tyree, the guys like Ben Bredesen, um, um, Tristan, you know, whoever it may be um, is, you know, take advantage of your opportunities, but then just, just put in the work now, you know, put it, <clears throat> put in the work now, um, and reap your rewards later. Um, because you know, that, that's what it is. You just have to have to take advantage of all of that.
3: Yeah. And I mean, looking at those guys that you just mentioned and then looking at you, I mean, it's pretty clear that the Ravens are good at taking unheralded guys at the position and developing them really well. Is there, one specific thing you could point to that you know Coach uh, D'Alessandris does or that the Ravens do specifically that uh, allows them to kind of develop these unheralded offensive linemen in the way that they do?
0: I think one of the best things that we do, it, that our, the upstairs does, um, as far as evaluating players, is taking to effect their character. Um, we have a lot of very high-character players on our team, the guys that work hard, guys that will put it all on the line. Um, you know, all those rookies that I named, I know, I know I'm missing some, but, um, you know, they, they, they all just put it out on line every single day. They bust their butt. They do the right things. Um, and that, that just speaks to their character and to who they are as people. Um, you know, I, I just think that's one of the biggest things that, that we do so well uh, because they make it makes it such a great atmosphere, and such a great, you know, place to play uh, when you have a lot of high-character guys working together, trying to get to the same goal. Uh, no one has huge egos. No one's, you know, going to going to, you know, explode because the coach yelled at him or whatever it may be. Um, you know, it, it's just a it's just a testament to them and to going after those high character guys.
2: Now, jumping to that 2019 season, it was such a whirlwind, and you obviously had a front row seat to all of it. How would you compare the atmosphere in the locker room this year uh, against last year? If there's if there's been a change.
0: Um, there hasn't been much of a change, you know, obviously having, having, to have your mask on, having to have all the plexiglass, um, you know, it, it kind of is what it is, uh, but you still communicate, you still have fun, you know, it, it's still a great environment. Um, it's a great place, you know, after practice, coming in, talking, hanging out before practice, whatever it is, um, is, you know, as long as we're social distancing and doing the right things to be able to have a successful season this year, um, you know, it, it doesn't really, it, it doesn't, the, all the plexiglass and masks don't really affect me that much
3: it's definitely weird and it's been weird for everyone. And, um, I mean, (laughs) I mean, just looking at where this team is right now, compared to where they were last year, there is, uh, some interesting comparisons and some interesting differences as well. You guys in, as an offense are playing really well and we do take up for you. And, uh, that shows in points that shows in uh, a lot of different things, but especially in wins, but you know, there's been some criticism about, I think mainly consistency. If you could kind of sum up, why you think people are coming at you guys a little bit for some of the consistency or some of the other issues. Uh, How would you sum up sort of what the issues are in your minds and uh, what you think you guys need to do to uh, really get things rolling again?
0: Um, You know, we're still, we're still coming to our own. We're still, you know, we're still climbing that mountain right now. Um, I don't, I don't think we have even came close to the peak um, of what we can do yet. And I, I see that as a positive, um, you know, you never want to peak too early, and you know I think our offense is really starting to come into their own now. I mean, just look at the Colts game. You know, we came out flat; we didn't play worth a crap, to be honest, um, in the first half. And then the second half, I mean, we came out like a completely different team. Uh, came out and you know ran the ball. We threw the ball. We did what we had to do to get the win. Um, so you know, I, I just I see a lot of promising things in our offense, especially you know with the, the transition of of new offense linemen coming in, changing the offense line around. Uh, you know, people being down, people being, you know, back up and down, whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, I, I just I see a lot of potential in this offense to continue to grow and to con- continue to get better as the season trucks along.
2: I got a couple of random ones to throw at you here. Uh, Marshall Yonda obviously retired this past off season. What's the biggest difference you've noticed without having him around?
0: Um, you know, Marshall was such a great leader. He was such a great guy to, to strive to be. Um, You know, I've said this in past interviews, but, you know, I've never really strived to be like someone, um, at least on the football field, like I have to be Marshall. Um, You know, Marshall came in, he worked his butt off every single day. He did the right things. He he continued to strive to to just be better and better as the as the days and weeks went on, Um, you know, just to see see him fired up before game um, at, you know, 32, 33 you know, 12, 13 years into the league, you know, it it fired me up. Um, it's like, man, if he can get fired up for the game, being in it so long, doing it for so long, uh, you know, I can get fired up too. And it's just, um, he was just such a great, uh, leader and such a, just a great man, um, just on and off the field. So, you know, definitely miss him around the locker room. Just a a guy like that is just, he's hard to replace, you know, he's just, he's a hard guy to replace. And, you know, we got a lot of guys trying to fill those shoes and, uh, trying just to, to pick up the slack that he left and um, you know it, it kind of you know I hated to retire I wish he would have gave us a few more years but I completely respect <laughs> and honor what he you know that he decided to, to um to retire you know I'm happy for him you know he's like 230 pounds he's like a like an outside linebacker in that size now so <laughs> who
3: is uh who's the funniest dude on the offensive line and you can say yourself
0: it probably DJ DJ Fluker is probably one of the funniest uh, he's got a lot of stories a lot of a lot of really good stories uh, <laughs> but yeah, I would definitely say he would have to be one of the funniest guys in the lock in the offensive line for sure what's Him your, or Orlando Orlando's got some good stories too
3: what's your best fluker story if you got one
0: uh best fluker story I
3: don't
0: I don't really know y'all are gonna have to get him on here and let him tell some of them because they're they're hilarious and then Orlando's impressions are or something else now his impressions are spot on on everyone he does it's it's pretty it's pretty funny but you'd, you'd have to get him to, to do some of them. all
2: right if we can't get a if we can't get a fluker story we can't get some orlando brown impressions do you have any nick saban stories for us please
0: Nick Saban. oh yeah i got a good one for you oh there we um, go so, so jk scott um you know the he's punter for the um packers now so he was, you know, he kind of, he kind of did as he wanted to, you know, he, he was one of the best punters in in our, um, in college football at the time, but, you know, kind of, kind of kicked and did as he wanted to. And uh, I think we had one day a week that was punt punt day um, and JK comes out, you know, we're standing around and uh, he walks over to coach Saban um, or no, no, they start they started punting. So they started punting and uh, coach Saban asked, he goes, JK, why aren't you in there? He goes, you know, Coach my knee's kind of bothering me a little bit today. Um, you know, I think there's a little little bit of tendonitis. He goes, "Well, you know, J.K. My ass hurts every day, and I still." like it. <laughs> 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 So, he, uh, man, I mean, everyone just was cackling, laughing, and it was—he got in there and punted, too. So, it was—it uh, <laughs> was—it was a funny—it was a funny day there, not for J.K. but for the rest of us. <laughs>
2: Oh that's awesome. How far did he get it down
3: there? You said he punted it?
0: Do what?
3: Did you say Nick punted it or JK did? No, J,
0: JK punted it. God. JK okay. punted. You just <laughs> gave
3: me a mental image of Nick Saban running out onto the field and punting for JK Scott to prove a point. So, I mean, that made my day just the idea of it. <laughs> but uh yeah, closing you out here, man. Really appreciate your time. Um last question we had for you. I just wanted to, you know, you just sum up a little bit the whole experience that you had with Mo Gabba. I know you were pretty involved with him and, uh, through the help of the, uh, uh friend of the program, Barstool RDT, you guys did some really great work for him. So just kind of sum up what Mo meant to you and like all the stuff that the Ravens are currently doing for him right now, kind of that, that whole experience and the impact it's had on you.
0: Uh, you know, Mo, Mo was, uh you know, Mo was, was bonded from a very young age. Um, you know, he, he never really got to see, see many things, but, um, i always say that mo had the best vision out of anyone i have ever i've ever met um, you know mo mo saw the good and everything uh, no matter how bad his day was he was making other people smile um, you know mo mo was a truly truly special uh, young man and uh, you know we, we miss him every day and um, you know still still in our prayers and you know we know he's he's up in heaven and uh, you know just looking down on us and seeing seeing us play football and everything else but um, I, I, think it's really special what the Ravens and the Orioles and everyone has, <clears throat> has been able to do in this community, uh, for him and his family and the legacy that he has left, um, is, is tremendous. And I, I will never forget that. Um, yeah, you know, I just, I just think that young man was, was so special and just so, so electric. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was, um, when, when he passed was, was a very, very sad day in in our community and in the Bozeman family and, um. You know, we, we just, we think about their family, uh, continue to keep them in our prayers and, uh, you know, just, just wish nothing but the best,
3: but. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's great stuff that you did for them. And, uh, we really appreciate that. It was, uh, you know, pretty big for the community and, uh, for a fan base that I think really rallied behind the little guy and, um, yeah, just, just an awesome story. So thank you for that. Thank you for coming on here, man, giving us a nice 20 minutes. We really appreciate it, uh, on, you know, your, your day off here and, um, Thanks again, and good luck this weekend, okay? Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Take care. Bye. All right.
0: Thanks a lot. Appreciate you guys. See you later.
2: All right. God bless. <laughs>
0: Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs>